Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers Show. Well, Jeff, I got some deep thoughts to lay on you on this podcast. Going to get your reaction. Deep theological thoughts coming at you. I'm interested because I know some of the stuff we've talked about that you might be bringing up. So I'm curious to see what things. Nope, come I don't up think you have not. any idea what's coming your way. And anyway, I'm Roger Fields, and I am Jeff Fields. And we are the Fields Brothers, broadcasting from Moonlight Fields Wedding Farm in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And this is a podcast. We're not the we're not the we always say we're not the Doobie Brothers, not the Marx Brothers, not the Warner Brothers, but the Fields Brothers. Um, we're ex pastors with no history of scandal. And um, I'm a realtor. You're in the financial services industry. Did I say that correctly? You know, you always have good to enough. Say, oh, good yeah, enough. Close enough. And, and wedding uh, season starting up. Here yeah, wedding soon, season. Don't we'll, you? Yeah, we'll start cranking. Well, May we start the wedding, but in in March we really start getting the farm ready for the weddings, and so um, you know that's coming up. As soon as the so wedding, you don't actually do weddings until first weekend of May. Yeah, normally. Yeah. yeah, I think this year that's true. Now, every now and then we sneak one in the last of April. Now we've got a couple of events. Um, April. Actually, your son has an event out here. Did you know that Landry does? I know he talked for, to you yeah. about doing something. Yeah, he's doing the thing. Yeah, yeah, the father, the daughter, daughter, daughter yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know, don't April. know the details. Okay. And I, the Chamber of Commerce is having a big thing out here in the last of April, so we got stuff going on. But the weddings start in May, and so anyway, you know, Jeff, one of the terms they use now in uh, particularly social media is an influencer. Yep, okay, heard that. Be an influ- well, I've determined that I'm an influencer. Let me tell you how I know this. Uh, yeah, yeah I'd no love idea. to know. Just, I got an email a couple of days ago from a couple of listeners, or at least one of them was a listener of our podcast. He's from California. He was then in like Knoxville or something, a couple of them, and they were down there, and they were at a Cracker Barrel, and he emailed <laughs> me to know what to order at the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> now, you know, you, I mean, I don't know if Cracker Barrel appreciates the impact that I'm having on their business, but... Uh, and so I told him what I liked and what I didn't like. And uh, so I don't know if that worked out for me or not. He may not have liked any of it. We went to Cracker Barrel <laughs> last night. Teresa and Josiah. I don't know. Did you? So, yep. You say, did you tell me that you knew me or anything? You tell me no. Really, yeah, no. They, would, no, they would take care of you if they knew that. They took care of us just fine. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever thought about the fact that it, just, it takes a little bit of courage to believe the gospel? Have you ever thought about this? Kind of I'm not sure I've thought of it that way. Okay. It takes courage to believe yeah, yeah. the gospel. Let me explain. Okay, let me see if you agree with this or not. You know, the God, we say the gospel is the good news of what God has done for us. Right. And we believe that Jesus paid the entire price of our salvation mm-hmm. on the cross, paid for all sin, past, present, and future, gave us his righteousness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there's all kinds of things wrapped up just in that. But to say, number one, I am righteous because I have the righteousness of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But people don't people are squeamish about saying that. I am righteous. Yeah. I'm completely forgiven. You know, I brought the scripture that uh, you know, I think I posted this on one of the websites where it yeah, says, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm greater yeah. than the, the, yeah, you know, Moses and Abraham and all that. And I put a reference on there. And the reason, you know, Jesus is the one who said John the Baptist was greater than anybody who had ever come before us. And if you're the least in the kingdom, you're greater, you're greater than John, than John the, the Baptist. Yeah. So, but who today would say that? Because well, we're like kind of timid. I think I think we're a little bit timid sometimes in just being able to say what the gospel said or what Jesus said about the gospel. There, I heard a great sermon by Andrew Farley. His one, he, he's coming out with a new book and doing a sermon series on it. Basically, I think the name of the book is "The Perfect You." I think, but his message this past Sunday he talked about that you are good, and you know you don't hear that in church. Yeah, you know, when's the last time in a sermon you heard a pastor basically tell you you are good? Yeah, you know we're and so it's a little bit well, online. So just, and you know just believing what God has 
said. I have a whole list of, and I'm not going to this podcast, but what whole list have called, have you read this book lately? And one of the scriptures that reference in here is, uh, um, you know, John, First uh, John four seventeen says, "As he is, so are we in this world." Well, nobody mm-hmm. would say that today. Well, as Jesus mm-hmm. is, I, I'm like Jesus in this world because we don't, we just don't have that kind of courage to be able to say what the gospel mm-hmm. says. And I think, you know, but if there's anything that's, for instance, a, a perfect example, everybody that's a, if you've been a Christian very long, if you listen to Christian, you know, teachers and all that, everybody knows scripture about you got to take up your cross daily, you know, Mm -hmm. which is not anything that was ever used or stated after the cross. After the cross, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's not longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Well, that's a bold statement. Yeah. So it takes a little bit of courage that Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. It does take as much courage. Well, I'm just going to be toting my cross around, you know. Yeah. Just got to be dragging that thing, just be sacrificing. That takes no courage to say that. And it's also how we view other people, too, because it puts, you know, grace puts everybody on the, every believer on the exact same level. Yeah. I mean, because we not only view ourselves that way, we view other people. I mean, it's right. hard for me to view you that way, Roger. Yeah, I, I understand. Be there. <laughs> but, I totally I mean, get so, that. So it's not that we're seeing ourselves above others that way. We're seeing ourselves that way and everybody in Christ, the part of the body of Christ mm-hmm. that way. Now, I've asked this question before in podcast way back. I'm going to give you a deep thought here. But I've always been kind of fascinated with the fact that so much in the uh, Gospels and in quite a bit even you know, after you know, Acts and on, the statement of what of the kingdom. The word mm-hmm. kingdom is used a lot, right? A lot about the parables, and it says that uh, you know that well. The one statement we just talked about, where if you're least in the kingdom, yeah, you're greater than John the Baptist. Um, and then uh, you know where it says in, in Acts eight that Philip went around preaching the good news of the kingdom. Good so that's the after, kingdom. so that's after the cross. After the cross. Yeah. Um, it says, I think, uh, in, in Paul, the very last verse of, the, of Acts, Paul says, without hindrance, he was teaching with Jesus Christ with all boldness, proclaiming the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So the idea becomes, what, pray tell, is the kingdom? Well, then you get a little bit of a hint, I think, in Romans 14, verse 17, for yep. it says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. So we know this, the kingdom of God is not a matter of doing and not doing stuff. He's a bit of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In it's the like Holy Jesus. Spirit, right. So we, so we find from that, that it's 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 internal. I think is it fair to say. You know, it's something or that God does in spiritual. you. It's spiritual. Something yeah. that's in you. It's not a matter of you know external obligations, external performance. Right. All right. So, but the issue still becomes: what is it? What is the kingdom? And I think that we're pretty much given a definition in the first chapter of Colossians. Okay, I was going I was going to go right. to Colossians 1 here. See what you say, think of this. Giving thanks to the Father. I'll read you this and I'll give you my take on it. Who has qualified you he qualified you to share in the inheritance of the kingdoms of uh, saints in light. He has he has delivered us past tense has past tense from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom. Now, when Jesus talked about the kingdom, it was, it was future tense. He was a right. kingdom was closed. It's at hand. It's coming. You know, it was always something that was coming. And we pray. He yeah, talked about thy kingdom come. Right. You know. And so it was always future because I think he was he was referring to what was going to be a reality after the cross. So anyway. Mm-hmm. We transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And I think from this scripture that the kingdom is simply that place of grace where we have everything that Jesus paid for. It's that place of just knowing 
we're right with God. We have all this that Jesus has purchased with his own blood. We, we have been redeemed. We have forgiveness. We are been, we've been qualified to have an inheritance. That is just a place of, of, you know, God, of what God has done for us. And I think that's why Jesus then it makes a little bit of sense when he says, if you're even the least in that, Mm-hmm. You're greater than John the Baptist because John the Baptist didn't have that. Right. I mean, he was an amazing individual. You know, what he did, he stood up for God. I mean, he ended up getting his head cut off by King Herod because he stood up for what was right, you know. And so it, John the Baptist was pretty impressive. And we'd have, there's nothing that we know that John the Baptist ever did that was wrong. There's no scandal in John the Baptist. You know, right. He didn't run off with a secretary. He didn't do any of the things that a lot of the people in the Old Testament did mm-hmm. who were still looked up to. So Jesus, maybe based on that, I don't know, said he's the greatest. But if you're least in the kingdom, Greater than John the Baptist, and I think when it, when it says that they preach the kingdom, they said there's a place. It's it's like the, the he's a real cultural term that may not be quite appropriate, but it's that sweet spot. You know, it's that mm-hmm. place, that zone, that place where you know it's all good because of what Jesus has done for you. I believe that's yeah. I like that. I, I, I just noticed here that you know the kingdom of His beloved Son. Yeah. So, I mean, he could have said the kingdom of his son, but he yeah. said the kingdom of his beloved son in whom, you know, there's that idea of in whom, in mm-hmm. Christ, in him. We cannot emphasize that too much. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So, I mean, that's the calling card of that kingdom, that in him, righteousness, peace, and joy. So it fits in with that. Right. So that Romans 14, righteousness, peace, you know, you really got the Trinity here because that one talks about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This passage in Colossians is talking about giving thanks to the Father transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So the kingdom is something we are in. Right. That's it's a, a place. It's, yeah. It's and a so, place that you're in that where the price has all been paid. It's all done. And then you know, I just thought of this, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So you know, forgiveness of sins is a noun in the new covenant, more than a verb. So it's, right. we are in you know, the beloved son, in whom we have. So forgiveness of sins is in Christ. Yeah, and I think... And so if you're in Christ, you have forgiveness of I, sins. I think that's kind of a syn- uh, synonym, that the kingdom is is being in Christ. Yeah. I, I'm good well, with that. the kingdom of his beloved yeah, son. Right, so yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's almost, you think of it like a territory or a, right. a region, but it's a spiritual, it's the promised land. I right. think, you know, the right. type of deal. So yeah, I like that. All right. Now I'm going to give another deep thought here for you. Now this, this one, I'm interested to hear your take on. Now you want anything you want to... Any, Thing you want to talk about before I jump into this? You got any, you got any um, lighthearted stuff? Any more Andy Griffith stuff? Anything that? Uh... No. Okay. No, no. You you gave me All a hard right. time last time, so I know <laughs> better than that. So far be it hurt me. my feelings. Right. <laughs> okay, I'm going to talk about one of the great doctrines of the Bible. Okay. The one that everybody just loves to talk about. Everybody's favorite Bible doctrine. Are you ready? All right. Circumcision. Okay. Okay. Now, a couple of thoughts about this, and I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Uh, I certainly hope so. All right, so so it starts off, do you know where circumcision started? When? Yeah. When I mean, was the first mention of circumcision in the Bible? Before the law. Wasn't yeah, it? which that's an interesting point. Yeah. Okay, but God had Abraham circumcise Isaac. Okay. Okay, so that's where it starts, Genesis 17, all right? And so people always say, one of the arguments about tithing is, well, it was there before the law, therefore it's still with us. You know, well, we're going to say the same thing about circumcision. Yeah, it was okay. there before the yeah. law too, but okay. it's still a part right. of the law. Yeah. And, you know, so anyway, and I've always found it amusing that the circumcision was such a big deal 
Jewish yeah, people. Yeah, it was that, that, that is interesting. That when David faced Goliath, that was his insult to <laughs> you Goliath. Uncircumcised you uncircumcised that That's yeah. our equivalent of your mama wears army boots. I mean, that was the real insult. You know, you uncircumcised, you know. So apparently that really cut deep. I don't know, you know. And then you get into the meeting in, 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 in Acts 15, which is a big hubbub about what do you do with the Gentiles coming in? Do we get them circumcised? We really do. We, are, we have no concept of how strong that division was between yeah. Jew and Gentile. Yeah, that but was just, a big deal. We just really can't relate to that hardly at all. And so, any, you know, this says there, this is, you know, they were, this is unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And they were saying that's not true. And so Peter, you know, makes a statement that uh, we're not going to put this on the Gentiles. Uh, we believe that we'd be saved by grace through faith just as they will. Now, so, all right, so we're, we're past that. And then we get into Galatians 5 where it says, in Jesus, there's no circumcision. Circumcision or uncircumcision counts for nothing. Doesn't matter. Right. Doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or not. Okay? And now, hang in there with me. So then you start getting, like, in Romans 2, it says, though, a Jew is one inwardly. Circumcision is a matter of the heart. Mm-hmm. But by the Spirit, not the letter, his praise is not from man but from God. So then you have, but you do have circumcision in the new covenant. It's just not a physical procedure. Yeah. There is a, so then that be, the question becomes, so what is that? What does mm-hmm. it mean are you heading toward Colossians? Uh, that's one place. Okay, keep going. Um, he says, In him you are circumcised um, with a circumcision not made with hands, but putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision that's in Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, we'll stop there for a second. Circumcision, the physical procedure, cut away flesh. Right. Okay? Now, I believe one of the things that's important to define in the Bible, I believe that flesh, when it talks of it, it you know, the Greek word is sarx, it means, more often than not, it means Human effort, human ability, your credentials. That's Man, why Paul yeah. says, I put no confidence you know, in, in the flesh. What's he saying? Hmm. We well, didn't say, I want no confidence in my sin. Well, of course not. That make no yeah. sense. I, make, I put no confidence in my, in my abilities and all that. And there's a lot. And I think when you read Romans with the understanding that flesh means human ability, it makes a lot more sense. Kind of the natural pattern, way, or method. It's right. a method, I think. So. so then we get to Philippians, and here's the point. Paul says, we are the circumcision. Okay, The true circumcision? The true circumcision, yeah. yeah. Who worship by the Spirit of God. We glory in Christ Jesus. In other words, we glory in what he has done for us. I believe that's what he said. And we put no confidence in the flesh. For though myself, this is where he says, for though myself I have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for the in the flesh, I have more. So what do you have? The I believe that the circumcision of the heart is when you come to the place where you say, I'm done with my flesh, I'm done with my human ability, I'm done with um, my effort, mm-hmm. I'm done with believing that I can earn anything from God, I can make anything happen on my own. That is circumcision of the heart. And so what happens, I think, when you kind of grab on to the, the gospel of grace of what Jesus has done for you, it, there is kind of a circumcision in your heart that takes place. Like, okay, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. I'm done with believing that I can add to this, add to what Jesus has done. I'm done with believing I can perform for God and get his approval. And so there's a, there's a mindset that I now get it. It's all about what God has done for me, not about what I do for God. In that, in a sense, is a is a spiritual circumcision. Right. Okay. Yeah. You I like cut that. the flesh away, 
And it's almost like you can say to some Christians who kind of believe in Jesus, but they're also all into their own discipleship, their own following Jesus, all the stuff they do. It's like, you know, you just need to get circumcised, not or, physically. Or, you know, recognize that you already are, or, um, spiritually circumcised so i mean it's it's, it's happened i think yeah, we, we, we is recognizing who we already are well but he says well okay but he says for we are the circumcised who put no confidence in the flesh mm-hmm. the ones who are circumcised who don't put confidence now i think you're still i'm not saying you're not saved but no. i'm just saying that when you it it may be true according to the scripture in philippians 3 that when you decide okay i'm not done i'm done with the flesh that's kind of a circumcision yeah, I'm not sure if I would say that, you know, that uh, like that's a, um, yeah, I'm looking at Colossians 2 here, and you who are dead in your trespasses, <coughs> trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made life together. Yeah. Um, I'd have to think about that a little bit more. See, by, by the circumcision of Christ. Well, that's interesting. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him. So I guess I'm thinking more of it's you know, it did happen when we were placed into Christ. Yeah. We were spiritually circumcised when we were placed into Christ. We may not realize that and need to come to the point of realize. So that gets into detail Maybe. nuances here probably, but but the general thought. But yeah. The, but the, but I think that the the connection is that when you're done with confidence in your own ability that's the definition of spiritual circumcision. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, there's my deep thought. I, I have to admit, I haven't really thought much about circumcision lately. Well, so there you go. There. So, and I'm probably, right. probably good for another while now before next time it comes around here. What do you, you got? Know, next? I, I'm amazed still that, and this is such a simple thing. And I, I kind of go on from this point because I think, well, we've made it in the book and we, you know, we've made it on the podcast a number of times. But as I talk to people, even talk to people who've kind of seemed like they got this at one point, just have the biggest time trying to get over the fact that what happened before the cross um, is not equivalent to what Jesus has done for us and where we live now after the cross. They mm-hmm. still try to drag before the cross stuff to this side of the cross. One of the contentions we make on this podcast and the book is that the cross was the dividing line. It was a line in the sand that changed everything. I mean, terminology's changed. A lot of stuff changed. The, the verse in Hebrews talks about the, the new covenant, New Testament, new covenant is not coming to effect until the one who makes it right. dies. The and new covenant so the didn't cross happen, is the dividing line. And it wasn't the birth of Jesus. It was the right. death of Jesus. Jesus lived and died under the old covenant. But here, well, here's just a quick little list of just to kind of, if, just to maybe jog people's thinking maybe, that, maybe because it's been a while since we've said this, but before the cross, it was all about what you do. After the cross, it was about what's done. Before the, cross, before the cross, you carried the cross. After the cross, you're crucified with Christ. Before the cross, it was all about following Christ. After the cross, it's all, it's all about being in Christ. That is, that is a huge difference. Huge difference. I mean... How do you follow someone you're in? I, you I mean... How do you not follow them? <laughs> one, one time, Paul says, we kind of follow, you follow me as I follow Christ in, yeah. in the sense that he says, he, Jesus got a hard, was given a hard time, persecuted, I'm persecuted, you're probably going to be giving, getting some flack because of what you believe. And that, only in that one says one time does Paul ever mention the idea of following Christ. Before the cross, you forgave. I saw a, 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 a um, I guess as a preacher, it was on TikTok, and he was talking about, you know, and he was, you know, he's so sincere, and I loved his attitude and everything. He, just was, he was so 
just deeply trying to convey if you're going to be forgiven, you got to forgive other people from your mm-hmm. heart. If you don't forgive mm-hmm. them from your heart, and you went, oh, I'm thinking, then what was the whole point of Jesus dying for us? If that's yeah. the way forgiveness yeah. works, what is the point? And so you, so it's I, just a, you know you got justification by faith, justification by works. That's justification by forgiving others. Yeah, you know, and it's like before the cross, it was always you forgive so that God would forgive you. After the cross, it was always you have been forgiven because of what Christ has done well, for you. So therefore, you can be forgiven. Want to point out forgive. a quick thing? It's kind of like some people might misunderstand this. We're not actually saying that God did actually forgive people based on them forgiving. That he said that he pointed that out or said it that way because that's impossible. So these right. standards, it's not that it actually. So no one was right. before the cross. Everyone was still saved by grace through faith, and so we make that clear. You know that Abraham's the example. Abraham was before the law. So we're not saying people were actually saved this way, but that was the way it was presented to point out the impossibility of it. Right, and that's what much of what's in the Gospels is, is the yeah. impossibility of living by your own achievements. But after the cross, I didn't really. I'm going to make sure I make this statement clear. After the cross, you are forgiven. Therefore, you can forgive, which really empowers oh, you to forgive when you know you're forgiven first. Before the cross, you hunger for righteousness. After the cross, you're made righteous. I mean, I, I, if I had a nickel for every time somebody I heard somebody on Facebook or whatever say you got to be hungry for righteousness, yeah. you know, and nobody ever, or rarely, rarely ever says you're already righteous because of what Jesus has done for you. Nobody makes that point, and that point is made so many times in the New Testament after the cross. Before the cross, you offer many sacrifices. After the cross, you trust one sacrifice. Before the cross, you be perfect. After the cross, you're made perfect. Colossians 2, you are complete in him. I need to look up that. I don't know if that's the same word. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. By one sacrifice, you're made perfect. Um, Before the cross, you're really more thought of as a servant. After the cross, you're more Mm -hmm. uh, uh, consistently thought of as a son Jesus said that in the upper room. Yeah. Before it's about rules. After it's about freedom. Before it's about work. After it's about rest. And then I love this one. I got to give credit where credit's due. Andrew Farley kind of clarified this for me. You know, before the cross, it was about denying yourself. After the cross, it was about mm-hmm. putting on the new self. Mm-hmm. And so, always, if you want to freak people out in a Bible study, just tell them you're not going to deny yourself. Not going to happen. I mean, people yeah. have a heart attack. Now, that's that's a lot of what his new book's about. This yeah. whole idea, and that really, I mean, I've heard him talk about that, it's a but that huge that, issue. I, I'm getting encouraged by thinking about that even more. You kind of, you know, center. You think here, oh yeah, I know that, but then you know, then you really get thinking about. It. You see how important that you is. You put on the new self. Now, if you put on the new self, you don't want to deny that self yeah. before the cross. When Jesus said, "Deny yourself," they couldn't put on the new self because he hadn't died for them, hadn't shed his blood, hadn't resurrected for them. And, and so, I mean, so much of Satan's work in, in the life of the believer is that he's the accuser. That's what yeah. his name, part yeah. of what his name means, the accuser. And I heard someone say earlier this week. Um, you know that Satan's yeah yeah Satan wants us to to do bad things I guess we you know put it basic like that but he also wants us I think most of his work is trying to get believers to think the wrong things yeah to to oh. to see ourselves different than we are that you are righteous you are good you do have a new heart you do have a good heart you don't want to sin and boy when you really start seeing yourself that way it changes how you live and so yeah. if he can just get us thinking wrong then you know the rest will take care of itself. But I had written down one of my notes that we act like the cross never happened. Oh yeah, and that really is. So many oh. times we believers in this thing, it's, it's as if 
you know, we talked about it before. See, Jesus just died. He lived. He showed us how to live and, and went back to heaven. Well, no. Well, he was born and lived. And yeah, gave. born, taught, modeled. Did some miracles. You're there. And so much of that is just, you know, we're trying to be like Jesus, want to be Jesus followers. And, you know, it's kind of like, like he's some other religious leader. Yeah, he's like that Gandhi just, you know, or something. Right, we right. just want to emulate his example. Yeah. And that's, that is just so far short of what, what he's all about. All right. One other scripture for you. Um, in Luke 5, it talks about the new wine and the old wineskins and all that, and it just makes a point is you don't put new wine in the old wineskins, it bursts the old wineskins, which mm. I love that analogy. Uh, the gospel is new. It's good news. You put it in old structures, it's always busting out of old structures, no matter what your structure is. And the structure, I believe, there are times when the, the format of the structure can even be beneficial. It's not like every structure is always bad. I mean, the way we do church is sometimes okay, sometimes not great, but eventually... The, the gospel will get bigger, will expand beyond the structure. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. I, guess I think of that a little bit and, different, but go ahead. But the in structure being, I think, the way we do things, I think it's legalism. I think it's everything is the old way of, of us trying to approach God. But what I think find fascinating is right after Jesus said this, he said, but people say the old is good. Like, yeah, I still want to go back. I still want to go, like, go back to Egypt. Go back to Egypt. I still like it. I like the way I was, I like trying to do my best for God, hoping He'll, you know, take me in, and trying to, you know, buckle down and serve Him and do stuff to try to get God's acceptance when God's already accepted you through Jesus. And the new wine of the gospel will always bust up any kind of structure you put it in. I guess the verse that comes to my mind when I think of that new wine wineskins now is Romans seven. You know, we serve not in the old way of the written code, but the new way of the spirit. So I guess I see the, the wineskins as the old way of the written code is we we're following principles, we're following guidelines, we're following written things instead of the life of the spirit within us. Yeah, I agree. Well, I just love the hold up I love the mental picture of some guy who's got his old wineskin, he puts new wine in it and I guess sets it on the shelf. And the new wine expands and just bursts his wineskins, and it's all over the place. And I believe the new wine of the gospel is kind of like that. It just busts through every kind of structure. It's just, it, you can't be contained within a human structure, if that makes any and sense. And we constantly defend the gospel.